So our reading is from verse 11 to 24. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be dis- Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Well, afternoon, you've had beans, beans are bubbling in your stomach. Uh, I'm glad I'm not here uh, later on. Um, uh, and uh, this is always the terrible session, isn't it, after dinner? Everybody's eyes are going like this. Um, but we'll, 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 have it, we'll, we'll have it go. Whoops. What's this one? Do I need that one? Yeah. Oh, I do need I need them all these things. Okay, brilliant. Um, uh, let me pray. Father, help us now. Uh, food starts uh, hitting hitting in and uh and we can uh, get a little bit weary please help us to hear your word that we may uh by your spirit put it into action we may love you more we may love each other more in jesus name amen Amen. okay so in that in that last session we were i was talking about uh, nature and nurture and really that was all about nature that that uh, you are born into God's family. You are a child of God. That's what a, a Christian is. And uh, because of that, uh, because you've got the nature of a child of God, you're going to be made like Christ. Because that's what happens, isn't it? So we saw those pictures, you know, uh, little Gordon Ramsay becomes big Gordon Ramsay. Unfortunately, it's a shame, isn't it? But there we go. Um, and, uh, and that only happens... Because Christ in the past has died for you and has dealt with the sin that causes, caused you to be a child of Satan. So that was magnificent work of Christ. So that's where we're at. That's sort of the nature bit. Now the nurture bit. Because remember I was talking about, you know, mummy pig will say to a piglet, we pigs don't do that. We do this. Uh, mummy sheep will say, or daddy sheep will say to you know, baby lamb, no, no, lambs don't act like that. There's both nature and nurture. And in one sense, this is the, the nurture side. 
the stuff, the effort that we put in, if you like. So live in the present as what you are. Live what you are. Live now what you will be. Live as if Christ had died for you. So live like that. Nurture those things in your life. So live what you are. The fact that we're the children of God means that we should display family likeness. That's what we should do. Look at verse 29 of chapter 2. If you know that he is righteous, if you know that God is righteous, is God righteous? If you know that God is the righteous one, you know that everyone who does what is right is born of him. So if God is the righteous one and you're born of the righteous one, then you will follow in your father's footsteps. Because you've got that DNA, do you see? So work on that. Nurture that righteousness. Behave like your father. Behave like what you are. Put your DNA into practice. Do you see that? Like father, like son. We have that expression. You know, he's just like his son. What's the little, 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 little Richard, um, little Rick? Um, I mean, dearie me, I, I don't think he's got his, any of his mother's genes in him whatsoever. I mean, I don't know whether the mother, I don't know whether Esther had any say in this whatsoever. It looks like he's come out of a factory, doesn't it? But he's just exactly like his father, isn't he? It's just like his father. It's lovely. Isn't it? Sorry, Esther, I didn't mean to be rude. Um, but, uh, you know, it, he's just, it's, it's just like that. So like father, like son. So in the old days, of course, you know, if your father was a baker, you were a baker. That's what happened. You did what your father did. And that's what he's saying. You've got the DNA. Now learn the trade. Learn to be like dad. He's the righteous one. Learn righteousness. Nurture it. Put effort into it. Learn. Learn to be like dad. Learn to be like like father. Look at verses uh, 6 to 9 of chapter 3. No one who lives in him, that's God, keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now these are very powerful words. So we we want to listen to these. Do you hear what it said? No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. I don't know about you, but that feels discouraging. But hold it, I'm going to try and show you what they mean. Verse 7, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works, the devil's works. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. They're powerful words, aren't they? Do you hear what they're saying? Now, as a a Christian, you suddenly think, oh my goodness, I don't even think I'm a Christian then. Because did you hear what they say? No one who continues to sin has been born of God. If you continue to sin, you're of the devil. Well, what does that make everyone in this room then? That's, that's quite frightening, isn't it? Now, hold it. Are you ready for this? Because you've got to understand this. Because this passage is meant to be incredibly encouraging. But when you first read it, you think, oh gosh, I'm going to give up. 
but it is encouraging. Remember, John's definition of sin here is lawlessness. So when he's talking about sin here, he's talking about lawlessness. Now, children of God can never be lawless. They can't be. If you're lawless, you're of the devil. You can break the law and you know you've broken the law and you feel that you've broken God's law. And you say, Father, why did I do that? And you feel like a lamb in the mud, not like a pig. The pig is lawless when it comes to mud. It's whoopee, I'm in here, I'm wallowing, I'm enjoying it, you see. The sheep, the lamb, might fall in the mud, but he doesn't like it. And the law then makes him feel guilty and why am I here and I feel dirty and, and I don't want to live here and this isn't where I, my family is and why did I do that again? Do you see that? A Christian cannot be lawless, but a Christian can break the law. There is a big difference, isn't there? There is a big difference. I, I, I mean, let me, I try, I don't know, it's probably, it just came to mind, and it may not be a great illustration, but yeah, I, 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 I often, I ride my bike uh, to work, it's, a, it's about four miles, and, um, and, and drivers and cars, you know, I mean, drivers, there's some days where I, I genuinely, genuinely think I'm invisible, I, th- I, I think I've got the power of the Harry Potter cloak, that no one can see me, I'm riding along, and the car just can't see, and they cut you up, and you... I try to pray the, the, the Lord's Prayer riding my bike and I very often don't get past our Father because I'm then suddenly hypocritically cursing people. It's amazing the ugliness of my mind. On this occasion, I did, a stu- I did the wrong thing on my bike. I cut a car up because I didn't want to stop and he came alongside me and he was actually quite nice and he wound the window down and said, mate, that's stupid riding, you're going to get yourself killed. My immediate reaction, because I'm a bloke, was to be angry at him and tell him off. And as soon as I did that, I clicked and realised, oh, you, no, 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 he's right. And he's trying to help you, you idiot. Stop being proud. So I immediately changed. I went, sorry, mate, yeah, no, no. And of course, he didn't believe me. He thought I was just taking the mick out of him. And I was saying, no, 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 genuinely, mate, I am, you're absolutely right. And he said, don't mess with me. And I said, no, 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 look. I'm a Christian, and I'm a Christian pastor, I'm ashamed to say, and what I did was wrong, and you pointed it out, and my pride clicked in. But you were right, and I'm really sorry, and I'm sorry I was rude to you. Now, that's a Christian, you see what I mean? I suddenly realised that, yeah, I've done wrong, and the law was good, and he he was right to help me out. A heart that is lawless would say, you shove off, I do what I like, I'm master on the road, you shouldn't have even been on the road, I'm a bike. Do you see the difference? One is saying, I don't have anyone telling me what to do, and the other is, I may break it, but you're right, you told me what to do, and I want to change. We must get that. You cannot be lawless and be a Christian. Lawless is of the devil. Your DNA 
has the law of God written in your heart, we're told. When you're born again. And that's why you're sensitive to sin. The pig loves the mud. The lamb bleats. Bleats. Why am I here? What an idiot. Again, I'm here. Your very DNA will shout out for you. So you need to cultivate not falling in the mud. We mustn't treat sin as if it doesn't matter because we're not lawless. Look at verse 6 again. Um, See verse 6, the first part of verse 6. In the original, when it says, um, uh, it it, it actually really means sin, uh, when it says don't sin, it says uh, 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 sin, it's it's talking about a settled character of sin. Or in verse 9, where it says continue, it's talking about a settled habit of constantly doing it. Yeah. Or again in verse 9, there's that settled state of desire. So what it's saying is that it's impossible to love sin, to be settled in the habit, to be settled in the desire. Why? Because you're born of him. Your sin, you're falling to sin, and you want a war against sin. But to have a settled nature. You know when people say things like, well, it's just what I am. They, they blame their sin. Well, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, well, I'm whatever the latest thing is to be. Yeah, that's right. That is what you are if you're settling in your sin. A Christian doesn't say that. A Christian says, I'm tempted to that. I'm drawn to that puddle. I'm drawn to that mud. But I'm a child of God and therefore I'm going to nurture myself. I'm going to ask for help and prayer that I won't go in the mud again. Do you you see what I'm saying here? Because this is really important. It's unacceptable to sin for the Christian. And you should know that. And you nurture that attitude. Look at verse 9. Just get this in. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now... John is speaking like a parent. Listen to parents. You can learn a lot. Remember John says, dear children. So he's speaking like a parent to children. So he's speaking to us, the Apostle John. And he's saying children, basically. And listen to what parents say. You'll hear Rob and Hannah uh, say this. you'll, You'll hear them. They'll say something like, we don't do that. Yeah? But the kid has just done it. You ever heard parents say that? Yes. No, we don't act like that. No, no, we don't do that. You weren't brought up to do that. Yeah. But the kid, if he was a stroppy little kid, could say, well, I've just done it. So you're wrong when you say we don't do it. That's just to miss the whole point, isn't it? The whole point is, I've not brought you up to do that. In our family, in our makeup, we don't act like that. Do you see that? And that's what John is saying. When you sin, stop it. We don't act like that. There's no excuse. There's no sort of, it's okay, you can do it. It's no, we don't do that. We don't do that. And if you don't treat sin like that, then what happens is you nurture, you allow sin in your life. So John is saying, no to sin, no. Yeah? Even though you will fall, no. 
Lamb, we don't go in mud, but I'm here. But we don't do that. Get out. As soon as you start to say it's acceptable, it's what I am, I can't help myself. Then you're going to allow sin in your heart. You'll allow bitterness in your heart. You'll turn to the gutter of lust. Uh, You'll have hatred towards your brothers and sisters and your neighbours. And you'll allow sin. And, And what John is saying is a good parent, no. Say no to sin. But when you do sin, do you see that? This is the beauty of the Bible. No. But when you do, then look at those verses that Rick was showing us um, uh, this morning in, uh, in 1 John chapter 1. Just look at those verses. When you do sin, sorry? Uh, yeah, but I want to go to chapter 1, yeah. 1 John chapter 1, if you, if you haven't got it with you, just listen. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, do you see that? That's not a lawless person. That's a person who knows there's a law and they've sinned. See, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you, that you will not sin. We don't do that. We don't sin. I write this so you won't sin. But (laughs) if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our defence. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Do you see that? It's so wonderful. There's a tension between chapter 1 and, and chapter 3. And the tension is, we don't sin, and yet, if we do sin, we have one who, an av- advocate for us. Confess your sin. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian battle. That's the fight while we're in this world. Nurture that fight. Yeah? Struggle in that fight. Work together with that fight. We'll apply that again in a, in a, in a minute. We don't sin. But when we do sin, we have an advocate. Does that make sense? I think that's what John's saying. I have to find it extremely helpful. Okay, so nurture the life now. But then nurture the life that you will be. Look at verse 3 of chapter 3. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So learn to hate sin and learn to love holiness. And that is a constant life. Keep purifying yourself. You have this hope in him. Do you remember? You have this hope of the future that you're going to be like Christ. Be like Christ. Aim at Christ. Aim to live like him. Love him. Look to him. Look at verse uh, 2 again of chapter 3. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. In other words, you can't quite see it yet. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we will see him as he is. All who have this hope, all all who have this hope in him, purify themselves, just as he pure. This is the biggest culture, culture shock that's going to happen to this world, is when Christ returns and everything's going to be different. So get ready for it. Get ready to be what you're going to be. You know, people go on holiday, don't they? Even now, 
Well, they have to get ready. They have to get injections. They have to prove they've had injections. They've got to isolate. Then they've got a sort of three-day holiday, and then they've got to isolate for another 15 years in some prison cell. And then, you know, so we all get ready. If you're going on holiday, if you're going abroad, you get ready. You pack your bags. You look forward. You find out about the climate. Do I need sun cream? Do I, you know, do I need my, my shorts? Do, am I going to go swimming? And uh, you look at where you're going, and you prepare. Well, that's what he saying purify yourself or what happens you know when I, I don't know whether you have many marriages in your church um, but you know it's ridiculous isn't it when uh, suddenly uh, the, the couple have got engaged and so when's your marriage where well, it's next year and the girl's saying well I've got to slim down and I've got to try these dresses on and they'd go in how many dresses have you tried well it's only you know 30 40 50 dresses or something and then you know there's this constant making yourself ready for the big day that's what we're doing the the bridegroom Jesus Christ the lover of our soul well make yourself ready for him so that you won't be ashamed when he comes look at verse 28 And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may have be confident and unashamed. Imagine doing a sin and Jesus turns up. Imagine that. Imagine getting into the habit of some gross sin and then suddenly Jesus is next to you. Don't be don't be ashamed when he comes. Imagine being a. A, a mean, bitter, unforgiving person, and the gorgeous, forgiving Lord Jesus turns up. It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? Yeah. And then live, not only for the future, then live in the light of Christ's work for you. What did he do? He's destroyed the work of the devil. That's what he did. He came and destroyed the strong man. He tied the strong man up and had ransacked his house to save your soul. On the cross, he's destroying the work of the evil one. All of that that Christ did for you. Live in the light of that. Don't play with sin. Nurture a righteous life. Nurture it. Do you see that? Do you see how powerful these truths are for our lives? Okay, let me just try and apply it a bit and then, and then we're finished. Can I ask you this then? What is the direction of your life? I find this one of the best pastoral questions to ask. What is the direction of your life? Is it growing more like Jesus or is it going backwards? See, this is why church is a really odd thing, church. You can have a person that's just started, you know, just come to know the Lord. And they might be doing all kinds of pretty, pretty, you know, bad things. They might be in lifestyles, but they've just come to know Jesus. And we accept that person. They're doing, they've got habits in their life. They're doing all kinds of sort of pretty, pretty bad things. Yeah. But they've just come to know Jesus and they're walking towards wanting to grow like him. But they're just coming out of the mud. They're covered in mud. Yeah. And we love them and we accept them. We say, come on, it's brilliant. Why? Because they're coming out of the mud. Yeah. But when a brother or sister's been a Christian for a long time, 
yeah, and they've been following Christ, and they're going toward the mud, and they're jumping in the mud, that we're, we're, we're stronger with them. We say, no, 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 no. That's bringing down Christ here. That's, 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 that could be a church discipline thing here. Because you're moving away from Christ. So the question I'm asking you is, which direction are you moving? Where, which, which, where are you going? Are you committing sin comfortably and easily? And if that's the case, the question has to be, whose child are you? Are you a lamb or a pig? But if, if, if you're wanting to go to Christ, if you're stretching and straining and nurturing the new nature of Christ in you, then that's great news, isn't it? Which direction are you going? You can't say, oh, my sin is just what I am. You can't say, that's a big thing that's going on today in all kinds of areas that I'm not going to touch here because I don't know you that well, but I would at my church. There's lots of people saying, no, 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 this is what I am, and it's a sin. You can't, and you have to say, yeah, that is what you are. If you were a child of God, you would know that was wrong. Yes. And you'd want to change. Yes. So which direction are you going on in? So therefore, I want to encourage you to continue. Notice the word continue or remain. Continue or remain. Remain in the relationship with Christ. Continue with Christ. It's, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Will you continue? Will you continue? If there are muddy puddles that you keep falling in, that's okay. No, it's not. Don't do it. But if there are muddy puddles that you keep falling in, don't do it. But if you do, work at it, nurture it, pray. You know, one of the good things to do is to, turn, is, is to go to Galatians 5 and look at the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And ask yourself, and you could do this daily, ask yourself, um, where am I lacking? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Self-control. What are the areas I'm lacking in? Lord, help me grow in those areas. Help me remain in love. Help me... See, the thing is, this is the thing. We've got to get this. If I'm going to learn to love, I need some unlovable people around me. Because it will stretch my love. That's why Beckentree Church is so helpful for growing as a Christian. Sorry, I'm going to Because, you know, but you know what I mean. Listen, the problem is, I'm finding more and more people are stomping away from church saying, he upset me. Well, that's a brilliant opportunity to work that through together and to love and to forgive and to help that person not to be such a stubborn or whatever it is they are. Do you see that? Are we going to grow in love or are we going to say, that person's coming to my life, flipping annoying, I don't like him, I'm going to another church. What are you saying there? This is an opportunity for me to love this person and to help them, if they are doing wrong to, to me, to help them change and grow. Do you see that? This is why church is an amazing place when it's working towards Christ. We're going together. 
Yeah, so continue, remain. Joy. I mean, if you're lacking in joy in your Christian life, work on it. Ask the Lord about it. I keep falling into the muddy mire of self-pity and anger and, uh, uh, and moaniness, you know. We're not meant to have grumpy faces, really, to be, are we? No. I, I always remember the story. Sorry, now you remind me. I remember the, the story of, um, of a, a grumpy old man. I think it's true, actually. A grumpy old man who was at the checkout. And he had a face like a cow pat and inexpertly trodden in, you know, one of those sort of really not grumpy faces. And, uh, and the bloke on the checkout said, are you a Christian minister? <laughs> and he said, no, I'm not. I've just been ill lately. I mean, <laughs> that's really bad news, isn't it? That's really bad news. Now, I know we can't help our physical face, but there should be joy in us. There should be joy in us. So continue, remain, work on those things. But hold it, let me then just go a little bit further. Besetting sins. Some of you are keep falling into the same mud. We, we keep falling into the same muddy thing, don't we? We keep falling in. And we've fallen in so many times, we think we can't bleat. We think, okay, well, I can't bleat again. And so we either try to cover it up and pretend we're better than we are, or we just are totally discouraged and say, I don't even think I'm a Christian. I think some of us, listen, God treats us gently like a bruised reed. There's a lovely verse, isn't there, about the bruised reed and the smouldering candle, the smouldering candle. You know, it's, it's got a little bit of life, but it, not much. But he says, I'll, I'll, I will fan it. And the bruised weed, I, I, will, I will gently repair it. That's, that's our father. Yeah. And you keep falling into the same mud. But, uh, but, but keep bleating. Keep bleating. God loves to hear the bleat. Why? Because he's the good shepherd that leads his sheep. One of my favourite characters in the whole of literature that I've ever read is a bloke called Help. He's in Pilgrim's Progress. He's a great little character. He's a very minor character, but he's a great character. So Christian has gone from the city of destruction. He's on the road uh, to salvation, and he falls in the slough of despond. Yeah, you know, he falls in the mud puddle. He's fallen in. And along comes help. And I love him because he's a cheery, helpful character. And he comes with all this... Yes, hello, what are you doing there? I'm here to help. Yeah, can I help you? And his hand goes out. Let me help you. Let me come and help you. That is church. That's why we need each other. That's why we need each other. We're all going to fall in the muddy slough sometimes. We're all going to fall in the, in the, in the, in the puddle. And, we, and sometimes we keep falling in again. What did you do? I slipped in again. That's because you were too near the edge. Nurture, come on, move away from that. Yeah, but I'm in again. Okay, well, let me help you. And so as brothers and sisters, we're like followers of the good shepherd that goes out to his sheep and will pull us out of the mud. I mean, sometimes we feel like the mud's hardened around our feet and we can't move our feet and we're stuck in this besetting sin. And sometimes it is like that, but we need help. And we need to see the good shepherd and we need to see that we can move out. 
Satan will say you're stuck, you can't move. Satan will discourage you and say, see, you're a pig, but you're not, you're a, you're a lamb. And you bleat and you say help and you confess your sin again and again. And it's fine, again and again, because the shepherd is happy to hear you bleat again and again and again and again. And he'll pull you out of that mud that hardens around your feet and tries to keep you into your sin. Follow Christ. Nurture what you are. Move those muscles. Be around brothers and sisters who will help you and love you and pray for you. And you've got good little fellowships here. I mean, genuinely good friendships here. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Don't fall for the whole idea that big church is what it's all about. It's not. And I think COVID's proved this, by the way. Uh, But that's a whole no theory, but forget that. It's Christian friends who love each other and care for each other and help each other and don't judge each other and pull each other out of the miry, murky sin. It's a wonderful thing. Nurture that. Nurture that. And then thirdly, look to him. God is your father. He loves you as his child. He won't reject you. I often think, you know, when... I I often think this. You know when you get these these awful things that seem to happen so often in London? You know, when a, a young boy, you know, he could be 16 and he stabbed someone to death. It's a terrible thing that's happened to the person who's been stabbed to death. Absolutely. It's a, it's a tragedy. And I don't want to belittle that in the slightest. But it's a tragedy for the 16-year-old kid, isn't it? He's been so taken up with his, his self. And now his entire life is ruined. But it's a tragedy for mum and dad as well, isn't it? Just imagine how mum feels. You hate your son for doing what he's done. But you love your son. You've got to go and visit him in prison. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? God is our father. He sees you fall, but he will come as a good shepherd to rescue you. He comes. He's your father. He won't reject you. Yeah, because Christ has died for your sin. And that's been paid for. He's your father. He'll visit you. He'll visit you. He'll come to you. Christ is our saviour. If you go back to chapter 2, the spirit has anointed us. We're spirit anointed people. The Holy Spirit is working in us to love Christ and see Christ more and see that God is our father. His work is in us. This is a Trinitarian love affair over us. And he's coming again. It won't be long. It really won't be long. It isn't long. Before we see him. And we know that whatever pain and struggles and temptations and battles. And when we've said no to things that we knew were wrong. It will be all worth it. Won't it? So nature and nurture. And if there's no nurturing in you. If you're just saying things like I don't need to change. I am what I am, then I doubt whether you are a follower of the Lord Jesus. It's those of us that feel, oh my goodness, I've let him down again. Shows that the law of God is in our hearts. 
Are you going to pray for us?